Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Showtime. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Ready. ready. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. Let me just turn around here. The Willard Garvey Crime Prevention Citizen Activist Award. I like, I like. Jeff Lutz. What crime are you preventing? Are you out there well, nabbing bank robbers? In real life, such ridiculous nonsense. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Stand by for action. Hello again, everybody. It's the Friday edition, the Bob and Jeff Show, KFH Radio. We are here, Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, your co-host, Max Power, producing and engineering, 869-1240, the IHOP hotline. Uh, and if you're counting down the days until that next Washington-Rutgers Big Ten game. Why are you so worried about Washington we and got, Rutgers? Uh, we got something for you. It's going to happen. Is Rutgers-Northwestern a lot more exciting for you, or? You know, they're killing, they're killing college sports out of pure greed, and uh, they're killing rivalries, and uh, it, it's a sad time. It's a sad time. Well, and uh, the, these college coaches and administrators and ADs who lament the transfer portal and the NIL, and uh, here they're doing much more damage to the short and long-term future of college sports, also TV people like you, like me, streaming services, can have enough programming. Trying to make that extra dollar, boy. Well, how is we that, don't care. How is that harming the future of college Oregon sports? Oregon and Oregon State ever play again? We don't care if we kill Washington, Washington State. To hell with Arizona, Arizona State. What we want is something to put on Apple Plus. And, and people like you, who come in here day after day telling me about the uh, the advances made in technology. Do I? In our streaming services. I would, uh, why would I do that? Should be ashamed of yourselves. Man, you made me sound like a loser just right there. Uh, talking well, about you have street. come into, the, into this home uh, expressing thankfulness for the ability to have more streaming options. What are you even saying? That was like 90 words. Uh, I have one, two streaming services, maybe. Um, Convince but, me I'm wrong. Well, you're wrong about the future of college sports being in some kind of jeopardy. They're making billions upon billions of dollars. You know, they're not. They're not making billions. They're, in some way they are, but they're all tr- striving to make more because that's the only way they can keep their universities afloat. And I hope at some point, I hope at some point, we see a great institution uh, like the University of, uh, give me one. Uh, you name one yourself. Maryland. Shut its doors. Oh, I hope Mark Turgeon's not listening. He's no longer the coach there. I understand that. It's out of control. And it makes me angry, well, frankly. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. 
Um, you'll line up to watch Michigan, no, I won't. USC. No, I will not. You'll line up to watch Arizona play KU in basketball. All it's becoming is a smaller, less interesting, and less talented athlete version of sports. I want to watch the NFL, the NBA, the Major League Baseball. That's what I'll watch. I don't need to watch you try to emulate it uh, at the college level. How think of that? Emulated in what way? Charging all this money. Well, the product on so, the field you think is. The, you think that the the price of tickets is going to go down? I don't know. It depends on demand for tickets. Now I got to get Apple Plus, or I got to get uh, Peacock, or I got to get something to watch some terrible game on a Saturday. Well, then and don't I'm, get I'm it. I'm just not going to do it. Okay. I'm not going to begrudge you that, nor should or will anyone. And I'm going to continue to talk about college sports because obviously it has a, a big appeal to the masses. But the masses are, are, are a little bit sad today. Uh, this is a sad day uh, for college athletics because we are reaching that point now where it's just going to be a bunch of super conferences, and they're going to be the only ones that matter, and they're going to be the ones that are almost exclusively on your streaming services that you've continued to promote. Like what? Daily on this show. Such as? Such as. Uh, such as you're right. Such Hulu. as I don't have Hulu. Such as the Paramount Network. Don't have it. But that does that doesn't mean you haven't promoted them. Why would I promote something that uh, I get no benefit from whatsoever? Well, I'm angry. And I, and on a day when I this has been one of the great days. It has. It's, oh, I've I've had an incredibly good day. It doesn't sound like it. Why don't you cheer it up? Started this morning. When I reached out to Bernie Miklas, uh, who hosts a radio show in St. Louis, writes a column uh, on, a, on a website, and is the foremost authority on St. Louis Cardinals baseball. Has been a columnist in that city for many, many years. I read every word he writes. He's coming on this show today at 225. You might as well go outside. Okay. We need a bush that needs water. You go take. Do I care just go of it. home? No, but when I'm talking to Bernie, unless you have a why really... do you think you need to have a conversation with Bernie Miklas on Wichita radio? Because I just do. It's a once a year tradition, and there are Cardinals has he ever fans been on this show. This... Yes, he has. There are Cardinals fans in this market who live for this day. I don't know, and who have never heard the kind of discussion we're going to have about. Where do the Cardinals go from here? What are they doing? Is there any hope? Uh, it's going to be a, a riveting. Well, I don't know if you saw today that the uh, Guardians uh, traded for Cole Calhoun and added him to the active roster. Uh, you're, you, you've never been in any good place. I mean, that's a that's almost that's laughable. Why? He's terrible. Well, Josh Naylor went on the. It's not like there's options to go just get somebody. How can you be for that team? Well, again, you're the guy rolling out, as you mentioned, Taylor Motter. Well, and, and everybody that's has awful. that's something the Guardians would do. Everybody has a 26th man on the roster. We got we got Mason Wynn, who's just killing it. One of the top prospects we've ever had, just killing it. Went four for five last night. We can't get him up instead of Taylor Motter. 
I mean, I'm, I, I don't get it. Well, he must not feel like Mason wins quite ready. Not quite ready. He's hit the cover off the ball for a month and a half. Well, I don't know. I don't know I how under, that. I understand AAA is not the big leagues, but you can only do what you do in AAA. He's been fine in AAA. I saw his numbers. They're good. He's got an 800 OPS. It's 840. Plus, he's a tremendous defensive player. Great speed. Uh, get him up. Well, let's get him up. Anyway, you weren't equipped to come in and handle this I'm whirling fine. dervish. I'm today. fine. I have, I have uh, no restraints, no problems. You, uh, you wrote a nice story on the Monrovians. Thank you. On the KWCH website, is it getting good play? It's going okay. It's not the it's not the most popular story I've ever written, but it's up there. It's doing well. Well, it's a select audience that's going to read it. I put it out there uh, on social media. Uh, I guarantee you, when you put that Joe Hour story out there, it'll be it'll be it'll be lapped up by the the reading. Uh, I, I sure hope so. It will be. I want to read it. Well, I want to write it. Hopefully, there's another one before that. <sighs> Back Your off. Strength man. is writing. Yeah, the more writing you can do, the better off you're going to be. I understand. That's just uh, my it's, humble it's still opinion. Still finding the time to do it. That's my humble opinion. Well, thanks. That's a, that was a nice thing to say. Eight six nine twelve forty. Besides Bernie Miklas, who's coming up here at about two twenty five, and it's a Cardinals conversation between a sixty year Cardinals fan and a guy who's written about the Cardinals for thirty years. Uh. So if you're a Cardinals fan, and I know we have quite a few of them out there, I think it's a conversation you'll want to hear. Most of you who are Cardinals fans, I'm sure already read Bernie's work and know a lot about what he thinks, but uh, I can't wait. If you were to do a Mount Rushmore of St. Louis sports media, first of all, would Jack Buck be eligible for that? Would you call him media? Play-by-play, he did cam a... KMOX Radio for many years as well. Uh, he's certainly a member of the media. So Jack Buck, probably Rick Hummel. Mm. Really? I like Rick Hummel, but mm. Derek Gould's a better beat writer uh, than than Rick Hummel. Well, Derek Rick Gould Hummel's... is one of those beat writers who pours himself in. Uh, and that's really, if you're going to be a beat writer, that's really the only way you can do it. You have to pour yourself in. And sometimes to the detriment of other facets of your life. It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. It is. But Derek Gould would probably be there. Bernie would definitely be there. And uh, probably uh, Joe Strauss. Where'd he? What happened to him? He passed away. Okay. I remember that name, but not much. But he was, uh, he was my kind of guy. Cynical, tough, enjoyed him. So you're leaving out potentially Harry Carey? I don't view Harry Carey as a media member. He was a celebrity. All right. So there it is. But Jack Buck actually did journalism at times. You know, and and Jack Buck, I don't care what Mount Rushmore you do. He's probably going to be on it. Are we doing a draft today? I don't know. If you want to come up with one. But since you won the last one, uh, which I clearly killed you I don't on. think so. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as much into them anymore. Really? Because you lost one. If this people is so are going to just look at a famous name and say, "Oh, you, uh, you mentioned Bo Jackson. I, I'm going to. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to vote for him." And then that's just sad. I tried to tell you. These are all things that I told you. Why don't you adjust your? I don't do that. I play the game the way the game's supposed to be well, played. I play the game to win. I don't do that. I play the game. With my true thoughts. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not looking at Bo Jackson saying, everybody loves Bo, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make that work. Everybody loves Bo, everybody loves Alex Gordon, everybody loves Lorenzo Kane. Let's do Chiefs defensive play. Now you'll go uh, Derek Thomas and think you want it. Well, fine, let's not. I'll kill you in the Chiefs defensive players. You think so? Yeah. Because I know a lot more. Now, you'll get online and, and pick a few up, and then that's fine. But, uh, I mean, there's no no question. Name name three Chiefs defensive players right now. Derek Thomas. Easy. Bobby Bell. Easy. And uh, Mark Mike Bell. Well, see, there's where you drop the ball. No Mark offense Bell. to Mike Bell. He's a fine player, but he doesn't belong in, as a third-name on all Neil times, Smith. that's better. Eric but what Perry. about Willie Lanier? What about him? I'll pick him. Good grief, man! That's what I mean. I got to subject myself to losing to you, Chris Jones. When the third, and again, you're putting me in a tough position. I love Mike Bell. Mike, if you're listening, you were a tremendous defensive player, but you weren't Willie Lanier. He's in the Ring of Hall of Honor of well, rings. That's fine. Whatever they call it. He's not Willie Lanier. Fine. You can have Willie Lanier. You understand what I'm saying? A little bit. Uh, And what's all this expansion and realignment going to do to the American eventually? Because it will trickle down. Uh, So they'll have to do something out west, right? The American? There's four teams potentially remaining. Uh, in the Pac-12, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. That's if Arizona State, Utah, and Arizona eventually get to the Big 12, which appears like that's going to happen. But now that'll be a, what a 15-team conference. Don't get it. Don't don't start throwing numbers out. Let me let me get to where I'm going. Or 16. So you got four four left in the Pac-12. They got to go somewhere. The buyout for the Mountain West teams right now is exorbitant, and they can't go anywhere. Uh, it's $32 million to buy your way out of the Mountain West right now. That number will go down over time. I don't know exactly where that is. But at some point, the Mountain West will probably want to form with those. What are you laughing about? I just love your hand motions. and. <laughs> because I get animated. I'll do because it. Because I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you just sit down and, and, and listen. That's really all you got. Okay, keep going. Well, do you want to get involved in this no, conversation? No, I can't, I can't find entertainment. In You don't have anything to say. Well, you didn't make any points yet. The Mountain West will ultimately try to get some kind of thing going with the remaining Pac-12 teams. Uh. I don't know what what will come of that. The ACC is going to be a disaster. You've got Florida State and Clemson chomping at the bit to get to the SEC. 
which will probably happen, right? Maybe. I don't know. Well, what, I mean, probably it will we happen. We don't hear much from the SEC during all of yeah, this. Yeah, but they're just waiting it out. They don't have to they don't have to worry about any of this. They got their they've already got their Oh, you in Texas? Now they're going to add Florida State and Clemson. I, at some I get point. it, but they still have Vanderbilt. And that's all right. Vanderbilt, they're along for the ride. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, you get in the back seat and play video games. That's what Vanderbilt and, and a high level of video Why games. Why should Vanderbilt get to be Vanderbilt? In the... Kids are smart, so you're not handing them uh, here to play Super uh, Mario Brothers. You're you're saying yeah, name an advanced video game. I, Go I for can't. It. I don't. I don't have one. But but the Vanderbilt kids. We'll play an advanced. Why video. does Vanderbilt just get, get to be in the SEC? Because they're Vanderbilt. They have, they have a lot of they prestige. Have, they offer nothing. Well, they they bring a lot. Let's they bring of, a lot of academic excellence. Uh, Vanderbilt's entrenched in the SEC. Let's think of Power Five schools that offer so what nothing. I, my point is, they're going to eventually add Florida State and Clemson. The Pac-12 will try to exist with the four remaining schools and potentially. Mountain West at some point. But then you've got SMU uh, currently in the American Athletic Conference, which is going to be interested at, at, in something. Poor Memphis is sitting there with no real logical landing spot. Uh, I don't know what happens to them unless the ACC uh, tries to tries to reformulate after losing Clemson and Florida State. My point being, I don't think the a- a- the AAC is very stable for very long. Well, you know who really gets left out in that situation? Wichita State. That's my point. Do you understand where I'm going with this? I understand, but I, I, was, have, a, I, said I have a plan. I said it so yeah, people understood. Yeah, but I don't understood. need to say it. It goes without saying. It goes with saying. When I talk about the AAC, I'm talking about Wichita State. Well, it sounded like you were talking about SMU and Memphis. Uh, you let me handle the high-level uh, talk on the show. You come in when we're talking about what? Low-level talk. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Man, I, I expended a lot of energy in you that okay? first segment. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I kind of conserved mine, so I'm good to go. Well, now I got a lot more energy coming up in the second segment. Because this is one I've been looking forward to all day. Did you set up and the I, show? And I ask our listeners who aren't Cardinals fans to indulge me. Uh, it's going to be a segment of Cardinals baseball talk, and that's all it's going to be. And we're going to do it with the one and only Bernie Miklas, formerly the columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, he currently has a show uh, from 3 to 6, so he's coming in uh, right before he takes the air on 101 ESPN out of St. Louis. I'll get uh, Bernie's thoughts on where the Cardinals are and where they're going. He joins the show now. Next, the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, we are back. Music from Rock's New Wave Era, the musical theme for the week. That's uh, Elvis Costello. Pump it up. Bernie Miklas joins us, longtime journalist in St. Louis, uh, currently a co-host or a host of a show on 590 FN KFNS from 3 to 6 weekdays. Also writes a daily column, often too, for Scoops with Danny Mac. Dot com. Bernie, welcome. How are you? Hey, Bob. It's been a long time. Uh, I'm doing good, and uh, thanks for having me on. I hope you're doing well. Well, we're, yeah, we're doing well, but I've been longing for this conversation because I read every word you write. I've been a Cardinals fan for 60 years, uh, which is strange. I'm only 54 years old, but I've been a long-time <laughs> Cardinals fan. I love the team. I love the organization. Uh, and I'm dismayed, like many Cardinals fans, about where this team and especially this organization is right now. You've written extensively about it. Uh, why am I so cynical about John Mozeliak and his ability to get this ship turned around? Well, I, th- I think, Bob, it's because, you know, number one, the the big problem, the glaring problem that really led to this uh, awful season, it could have been avoided, um, but they neglected to tend to their starting rotation. They neglected to add enough pitching, and they were complacent about that. So they're they're paying the price uh, this summer with their probably going to be the worst season since 1970. Uh, well, 2007 for sure, but it could even be you know go back longer than that it's really just a bad season by their standards um so he dropped the ball on this and i um uh i don't i I, how do i put it and i'm sorry i'm I'm stumbling here but i um there's no reason to trust him or bill dewitt jr and i i I like bill dewitt jr a lot i have a good relationship with him but i also got to be straight with my opinions uh, I think they've relinquished much of the trust that they had built all these years because they always tell us, uh, like, for example, with the pitching, oh, we're fine. Uh, we, don't, we don't understand why you're all, all you guys are worried about everything. We're fine. we got enough pitching. Well, we got seven starters, so we're good. And almost kind of laughing at the idea that they, they're uh, ill-prepared. So there's an arrogance and a complacency here that I don't know goes completely away or goes away at all just because you have a bad season. You know, my concern is 
we're going to see a variation of kind of the same thing. You know, they'll uh, build it, it. It would pain Bill DeWitt greatly to pay a lot of free agent money for a number one or number two starter. Uh, making a trade's a possibility, but I could still I could still see them despite their claims of oh we're going to have an aggressive uh, off season. We're going to we know we have to you know make a big trade, probably spend a lot of money to sign a guy, and I could see them hedging on that because. Uh, you know, Dakota Hudson pitches well down the stretch and, you know, Libertor looks better. One of the kids maybe they got, they got in the trades for prospects is coming on strong, uh, you know, at Memphis down the stretch or something like that. I could definitely see them hedging and say, well, you know what, we've had some developments and we really, we really like some of these young guys and we don't want to block them. So I don't trust them. I, I mean, I think they'll get something done, but uh, they'll have to, you know, they'll have to pardon me for basically having no faith that they'll follow through and what they're trying to convince people they're going to do. We were led to believe the payroll was going to go up uh, by quite a bit for 2023. And that didn't happen. It went up a smidge, but they lost ground in the overall payroll ranking. So they've got to earn back trust and I'm not sure they can do it in one off season. Do you think, Bernie, that it's it's the moves the Cardinals have made? Uh, you know, obviously trading Alcon, Alcantara and, and Zach Gallon in the same transaction wasn't a good one. Or is it the moves that they, they haven't made? Not maybe trading Dylan Carlson when his value was a little bit higher. Maybe even Paul Goldschmidt in this, off, in this uh, trade deadline uh, not making a move there. What do you think has set them back more? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. And I, I would add... Uh... You know they 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 stick well they stick with guys too long um, not Alcantara or Galen um, but that gets back to another problem and I'll mention that in a second but they uh, with their outfielders they they clearly have no idea what they're doing as far as identifying the core talent that they should keep as opposed to the talent that they're willing to let walk away or willing to trade like a Rosarina and Garcia and even Lane Thomas although at the time I mean that trade made, made sense. You know, my biggest my biggest question is among all these questions is that when's the last time the Cardinals developed a successful starting pitcher? They make all kinds of mistakes with that. Um, Zach Thompson was a first round pick who looked great up here, and they were excited by him. They've messed him up completely because their chronic indecisiveness. Uh, is he a starter? No, he's a reliever. No, 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 he's a starter. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll put him back in the bullpen. I mean, the kid, prob- his head's probably spinning. He doesn't know what he is. And they have not had a a good, young, drafted starting pitcher uh, really reach fruition in the majors since uh, Michael Walker in 2013. And he was a big star, as you know, for you know a, a relatively brief time. And then he got hurt, and he stayed hurt. Um, you look down below and they just not there. There's not much there in terms of what they've developed that you can look at other than Tink Hentz, who's going to be, I think a really good starting pitcher in the big leagues. They have not developed guys and they're, that's why they, you know, felt compelled to go out and, and trade their rental players and get as many pitching prospects as they can. And, you know, in, in this last week or so, and I think they've actually did a pretty solid job with that, but, they don't identify pitching talent well. They don't develop it well. 
Look at Matthew Libertor. Is there anybody in this organization can figure out a way to give this kid something that will help him get right-handed hitters out? It, uh, their young pitchers just kind of drift. Uh, they get worse instead of getting better. So that's a huge concern that I think people don't look at enough, in my opinion. But knowing when to make a trade, knowing who to hold on to, knowing, you know, what your outfield truly is going to look like and you've picked the right people, they're, they're just really incompetent in those areas. There's no other word for that. And, and something's got to change. But can it? Can they change? I'm talking about Mosellac and his associates and Bill DeWitt. Can they change? Because clearly change is necessary. Bertie Miklas, our guest, a uh, longtime journalist in St. Louis, written a lot about the Cardinals over the years, obviously. Uh, my answer to that question is, can Mosellac change? My, my answer to that is an emphatic no, but we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I'm selling him short. My question now turns to Oliver Marmolt, who – I don't. I, I had a good feeling about, and I'm still not. I still haven't jumped off his ship, but it it appears that since Tony Larusa left this franchise uh, after the 2011 season, and John Mozalak, John Mozalak's role has increased, in my opinion, uh, this is now the third manager since Tony Larusa. Uh, are you high on Oliver Marmol? Is he an independent thinker? Does he have a voice, or is, is he just following orders? Bob, I don't have to tell you. Uh, you and I have been around a long time, which is good. I'm glad we've, uh, we were lasted and still kicking pretty hard. Um, this is the worst thing to say if you're a columnist uh, in, in today's uh, media setting. And if you, the worst thing you can say if you're a columnist or a talk show host is say, I don't know. <laughs> We're not allowed to do that, right? Um, I have mixed feelings about Marmol. I think you and I are, are kind of on the same wavelength here. There are some things about him I really like. Um, but there's also some things that have – I also understand that, you know, he was given a bad uh, hand to deal with in terms of this starting pitching. I mean, it's not, none of this is his fault. Um, you know, he, he was a victim of this as much as fans, fans were, as far as, you know, the team overestimating, overrating what they had for starting pitching. So I cut him some slack there because if their starting pitching had been solid, I don't know that we'd be talking about Ali Marmol that much, but on the other hand, I see, I see a guy that kind of digs in and gets stubborn and he gets a little petulant. So I wonder if he's you know, insecure because insecure managers uh, ultimately blow up. Um, Matheny did, Schilt did to an extent because he had a couple good years, and I liked Schilt, but you know, he all of a sudden decided he was going to be czar, and he was going to tell the front office he was going to give them the orders, and they 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 obviously that didn't play well, so he lost his job because he got power hungry. Um, I think Marmol's got some insecurity that concerns me, and. Um, I will say this, though, you know, he's done a really good job with, uh, y you know, sort of make, having a more flexible lineup, being able to move people around. That's a plus. He gets platoon split advantages at a high rate. To me, that's a plus. Uh, on the other hand, he uh, – and the players like him. That's a plus. They do respect him, I think. Uh, on the other hand, he let his defense collapse. He let the base running collapse. There's no excuse for that. And I don't know how good his coaches are. So 
It's really a mixed bag. I think anybody who really tries to take an honest, fair look at this would come away with the same thing. There are times I can't stand him. There are times I'm like, you know what? He's a pretty smart guy. You know, let 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 this thing play out a bit. Let him get a better team to work with next uh, in 2024, and uh, then I think we'll have a much better idea about him. But I, so I'm 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 very much back and forth on Ali. Talking uh, with St. Louis radio show host Bernie Miklas. Also uh, does a column, scoopswithdannymack.com is where you can find that. So we're auditioning, the Cardinals are, for the rest of this season to try to figure out a little bit about what 2024 looks like. You had a great column about the players who are most under the spotlight uh, during this audition. Which of these players that you wrote about, Bernie, do you think are most likely to have a future in St. Louis, and which uh, which players are really most likely to be used as a, a trade bait? It's a really good question because they could go either way on some of them. Um, I know I, did, I know you asked me about who do you think's got the future. I, I think the guy that's obviously got um, maybe the least uh, least bright future with them is Dylan Carlson. I think he's lost so much ground in his. I don't know what's wrong with him. I, I like him. I was really high on him, but he's just uh, the the sizzle is gone. He's just lost. He he can't hit right-handed pitching. The power is not there. He hits left-handed pitching, but the problem is the last two years of Cardinals, seventy-seven uh, percent of of the pitchers the pitchings that they faced has been right-handed. So. He, he doesn't get to play that much or, or do his thing because you don't face that many lefties. Um, his game's just gone flat, and I don't know why. And I don't know whether and, – and they're clearly, uh, they're clearly impatient with him. They've lost patience. So I think he'd be the most likely to move. Tyler O'Neill could go either way, and here's why. Um, they didn't trade him at the deadline because, you know, nobody was going to give him anything or probably offer him a you know, sleeve of golf balls because he you know, hasn't been on the field. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, we can't give up much for him. So they want to give him a chance to reestablish his value. And he's doing well since he came back, but we've heard we've we've sang that song before. Uh, but if he goes in the next season, if his trade value goes up enough over these last two months, maybe maybe they would get an offer. He'd be part of a package deal uh, that would would uh, get them excited. On the other hand, he's got one more year to go. He'll be highly motivated in 2020, 2024 because it'll be the final year of his contract. He'd go into free agency. So the, the conditions are favorable to get the best out of Tyler uh, O'Neill. It's just a question of what another team would be willing to offer this coming off season. But I, you know, I, I definitely see a scenario where he'll be a starting outfielder in 2024. Um, I think Burleson's got to be one of their guys. And I'm not saying you guys start all the time. I'm just saying, you know, I, I kept telling everyone he's going to be a really good hitter. I kind of staked my ground out on that because he just, uh, he, he doesn't swing or miss. He hardly ever strikes out. He gets the bat to the ball all the time and people had to be patient with him. And he's been since about second week of June, he's been doing a hell of a job and he's getting better and better and better. He also can play first base capably. He can, he, you know, he doesn't look good in the outfield, but in left field, he, he, he gets the balls he should get. He's not terrible, slightly below average. That's what all the metrics say. But this guy's a hitter. He's just a flat-out hitter, and I think that they got to be really careful uh, with him, uh, making sure he has has a place. And I think Lars Newtbar is the, the most likely guy of all these position players to be like a fixture going forward. I mean, they love him. He 
his season was uh, kind of weird because of injuries and because of WBC. He just was out of sorts. But since he came back from that second injury, I mean, he's been tearing it up, and and everything about his play has improved. So I, I'm I'm still a big believer in Lars Newbar, um, and I think they're smart to, to to value him as much as they do. The the, the guys that uh, a couple of guys that intrigue me, and I don't know if I left anybody out on that outfield list. Um, a couple of guys that in, intrigue me. I'll tell you one guy is Tommy Edmond because Mason Wynn's knocking on the door. I mean, he's banging on the gate to the major leagues. And he's going to be up here soon enough. I don't know when, but it's going to be soon. And, you know, if their idea is that Tommy Edmond is, is their shortstop period, everybody else move on, he's our guy, that's not going to change. I think it's kind of ludicrous, to be honest with you, because Edmond would have value in a trade. He's already into the bigger money years. He made four, He's making $4.5 million this year. He's only going to make more the next couple, three years, and he's free agent. And a lot of teams like him because he can, they can move him around and, you know, he's got speed. But he has fallen off the cliff offensively. You know, he had a good first month, and he has been terrible uh, since then offensively. And he, he struggles against right-handed pitching. My point is, it's not, I'm not saying I dislike Tommy Edmond. I'm not saying I'll get rid of him. I'm not saying that at all. But Brendan Donovan's going to be back uh, next year, and he's a keeper for sure. You know, um, Mason wins, I think, got a chance to be special. I really like the year Gorman's had. The point being, there's a, you know, there's only going to be so much playing time to go around. If you are committed to uh, Mason Wynn as your shortstop and Nolan Gorman as your second baseman, and that's what they should do. So they would be able to move a Tommy Edmond. And uh, that's, that's a guy that I'm really curious about because I think, frankly, maybe Cardinals fans underestimate a li- at least a little the, the possibility that he could be moved in the offseason. All right, great stuff. And don't forget, they just uh, the two players that they traded at the deadline for that aren't pitchers are both highly regarded hitters as infielders. So that's right. Uh, you're that's starting right. to get a glut there as well. And I think they're really excited about all of those guys, those two guys, because I was told actually from from um, people that I know with the other teams, the, you know, with Texas uh, and with Baltimore that the Cardinals in each instance were adamant about that infielder, both of those infielders, had to be included in the deal. Like, they, they wouldn't get off that. They, it was really important for them to, to grab those guys. And I trust Randy Flores and his scouts because I think they've done a good job of identifying hitting talent. And uh, Flores and his guys, Randy Flores and his guys, really wanted those two guys. So that gives me even more uh, reassurance that, uh, they could become something, you know. So, yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, you can't have all these infielders, you know, and um, um, Tommy Edmond might be the, the, the one guy that uh, is, is appealing to other teams who don't have, like, that utility factor, you know. And Ed, Edmond would have, have some interest for sure. So we'll see how, the, how the, that'll play out. But something's got to give. Bernie, great stuff. I'm really uh, thankful that you come on with us uh, once a year is all I'm going to ask you, but I got to get my Cardinal stuff out there or I'm, I'm well, going to burst, man. You can you can ask me to come on more than that. I thought you're mad at me <laughs> or something. So anyway, no, anytime, man, anytime. <laughs> all right. Have a good show. Th- thank you very right, much. Man. You got it, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon. Bernie Miklas, our guest. All right. We'll take a break. That's good stuff. I don't care what you th- what you say. What I say? Yeah. I don't have much to say. Isn't that fun?
I'm glad you got uh, that the opportunity to do that. That that helped me. Again, efforting Bill Pintard. It's like trying to find the Lindbergh uh, baby. Yeah. Well, maybe not quite that serious, but um, I don't know what to tell you. He'll be around, won't he? Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Either he will or he won't. Maybe he's playing a long gag on us. Maybe so. Maybe this is just Bill Pintard's way of saying, hey, never contact me again. After that stunt you pulled on the bus when you just said, hey, uh, we got to go. <laughs> After 15 seconds, Bill said, What's all so right. funny you, about that? He said, all right, you got to go, huh? What's so funny about that? It was a funny, funny thing. Funny well, well, there wasn't a good connection. I know, but that can be fixed. Not when you're on a bus. You in never the know. Of nowhere. Uh, sometimes you just have to live to fight another day. What route do you think they took? Well, they're in Santa Barbara. From Santa Barbara. Did they go the southern route? Do you think they no. just came straight across? No, I don't. So what do you think? I think they went uh, northern. I think they went up, uh, not all the way north, but they came, uh, I don't know. We'll ask so him like when, in the Nevada? We'll ask him when we get him. If we get him. Why do you say that? <laughs> now I've run out of steam. That's it? You've taken it out of me. I'm exhausted from the Cardinals conversation. What have I done? Uh, it's just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm spent. It's been a nonstop morning, and, uh. So much happened today. Well, that's that why I can't you gotta, really even talk about. That's why you got to pace yourself. I can't even really talk about it, but I will talk about it. I'll, I'll say this: it's been a historical day. Historical? Yes. Why don't you tell us some? No, nah, I'm not going to tell you. Really? So you're just going to tease that? Hey, let's all pay attention to Bob, and then uh, you don't, and you don't pay it I'll off. I'll tell you at some point when we get it all nailed down, but I'm not going to tell you now. How's that? That's ridiculous, but whatever. Well, you can't. You can't. You got to get it nailed down. I gotta. I gotta make sure it's nailed down. Uh, but I couldn't. Is it a his, it's I a historic be, day. Yeah, I couldn't. Historical day. Not historical. No, it's historical. It'll be twenty years from now. They say that was a historical day. No, historical. I believe means it already happened. No, I don't think so. It's in the. It's historical. It's in the past. I think you're. I think you got to turn around. Turn around. Historic means it's already in the past. Uh, historical is an adjective. Historic is not. Historic describes something momentous or important in history. Right. Historical simply describes something that belongs to an earlier period of right. history. Right. Exactly. So what well, I said. What we're talking about is this is historical. Fits the definition. It perfect. does not belong to an earlier period in I, history. Absolutely, it does. It belongs to an earlier period in history. What period? This morning. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. was an earlier period. Right. That was a. It's a period. Every moment is a period. No, it's not. Yeah, you can have a period. <laughs> I can't. But it's not a comma. <laughs> it, it's a period. This morning was a period. You didn't pause. You don't put a comma in it. I think it's a historical period. No, it's a historical as in a period. You put a period at the end of that. Not a comma. All right. You are you really are out of material. 
I love driving. You're struggling today. I love driving you nuts. I think people out there love it. That's no, my feeling. They don't. I, I isn't it unique the way I do things? No, not or really. Or do you think it's irritating? It's irritating. Which is it's, it most it's irritating? Let's get Max's opinion. Max, if you don't mind, and I know you're one who uh, tries to appease, but in some cases we want the honest opinion. Uh, so when I make it uh, an effort to drive Jeff a little crazy on this show, does it work? Yes. There you go. Shut up, Max. Just and, an, and Jeff, I got you a little joke. I liked it. What he, was your what was see he's throwing you a bone now? What'd he say? What was your joke? He said he got your joke. When you said I could have a period, then I said I can't. Uh I like it. <laughs> well, that's a, a sexist sexist? I can't have one. Horrible thing to say. Uh but anyway, whatever. I could do I could do that to you just as easily. It takes no effort. Wonder where Bill Pintard is and why we <laughs> why we haven't been able to get him. He's been a guest on this show many times in the past. Yeah, almost three days ago. Um, we've had a great relationship for many many years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, something seems to be amiss. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm Bill Pintard, and I've had this great history in the NBC. I ain't messing with anything. I'm not sh- shunning uh, someone like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm worried. No, I'm He's not worried about you. No, I'm saying he doesn't need to worry about me. But I'm not. I'm not getting in there and and saying no. I'm not talking to Bob this year. Uh, I've talked to him every year we've won, but not this year. Be careful, Bill. Oh, well. You're tempting the fate. So you're going to go down and watch the Foresters then to uh, repay some of that support. You're, you're tempting fate, Bill. That's what I thought. We may go down next week. You want to go down with me next Saturday? I, I don't know about next Saturday. See our buddy Josh Robertson get inducted into the... I don't know about next Saturday. I feel like I should be there for that. We sat next to each other uh, for many, many years at Lawrence Dumont well, that's, that, you, that's your friend. Not, not that Josh isn't my friend, too. But that, that's not, you know, that's your friend. No, I'm not saying I'm going down there for that. I'm just saying you could also go just to go. Well, we'll see what my wife thinks. Yeah, that's the finals night, isn't it? No idea. That's the 12th. It's, this tournament's over on the 12th. So, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, we, may, we may head out. You know, there was a time when this thing, this puppy lasted 15 days. You understand that? Yeah. And they were playing day and night. Take me through. Th- this thing. Take me through the no bracket. I loved it. And tell me how that works. It it worked through the brilliance of I one Larry Day. Give me the ins and outs. Give me the minutia of it. He wanted attractions. This tournament used to be all about attractions. Uh, it started with Hap Dumont. Uh, we want to build. We want to build uh, uh, something that people will come out to see. So we're going to give you a great feature game. And uh, and then you just build it from there. Okay. That wasn't much minutia, but it was double elimination, right? Double elimination. So the feature game obviously would be from the winner's bracket. Or Larry, quote, a, quote. Larry now, now listen, I'm not throwing stones, uh, but this tournament starting at noon on a Thursday, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, 
so what you had on opening night, you had every team honored with a fireworks display, right? So you had you sometimes as many as 40 teams. My goodness, it was it took forever. I, just the memories of the NBC World Series. And I hope Katie Woods, I think she's absolutely the right person uh, to try to reinstill some of that. Uh, but it's going to be hard because the game has changed so much. College baseball has changed so much. There aren't ex-pros playing. Uh, it's just a different era and a different time. When I told you that in 1964, and that's a long, long time ago, right? Yeah. That's 57 years ago. But two of the all-tournament pitchers in that year were Don Sutton and Tom Seaver. We're not seeing that most likely here this year. Santa Barbara is the team that has the future big leaguers every year. Right. They, they, they usually do have some future big leaguers, but they're usually the only one. Right. It used to be 10 teams had future big leaguers. So these ex-pros, they just showed up for the NBC? Yeah, back in those days. And that days. was it? They didn't play any other at all anywhere else? Played in the Victory League. Remember I told you about the Victory League? Tell me more about it. Well, it was a summer league. It's a summer league of uh, right here in Wichita that some teams, uh, you know, used old, old-timers, old guys that had played in the professional baseball. Uh, some teams brought in some college players. Uh, but you had a very competitive Victory League. Then you'd go into the state tournament. Another week and a half of baseball at Lawrence State, Lawrence Dumont Stadium, and if you qualified out of that, you'd go into the World Series. You could play a bunch of games in the summer. You know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have an HBCU All Star team at the NBC World Series. I don't know how feasible that is, or even realistic. Well, it'd be at great, all, but, but you, you know, you got to you'd have to work your tail off to make that happen. Understood. Be fantastic. I hope uh, someday these ideas start to to come to fruition. Me too. Uh, we'll see. I got enough problems with my own ideas. It's not my vision. It's her vision. So I hope whatever she sees it becoming, yeah. it becomes. And we'll see what happens. Katie Woods, that is. Got to work at it. It's got to be. You, you can't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. This first time out for Katie Woods. It is. Um. Uh, Good and best of luck to her. Almost like a trial run of sorts. Uh, we'll take a break. I don't want to do Chiefs defensive players. That does that that, that bores me. So we're gonna do, um, we're gonna do the following. <laughs> yeah, songs by the band Chicago. Really? That's what we're gonna Not do. Not even sixteen that matter. Oh my God! There's so many good songs by that group. One of the best. That's uh, that's the topic for the Bob and Jeff draft, unless we hear from Bill Pintard. But I don't know if we will. See, you're you're making this Twitter proof because no one on Twitter is going to care about this poll, and they'll just nah. songs from the band Chicago. How about Tom Petty. The Bob and Jeff draft next. KFH.